Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'll tell you, I'm excited about this. This message the Lord has for me to share with you. Um, can I do what? Absolutely. So, for a little while now, the Lord's been talking to me about our role and coming into our role. And uh, I was reminded of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And in coming into our role, it is important and significant that we do that. This is what the Lord was talking to me about for us. Yes, we're going to look at some, some biblical examples, but the why it's important is so that the Lord gets the glory, that people then see his glory shining in and through us in what we allow him to do. In our lives, if you will. Um, so if you could, please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 6. 1 first example we're going to be discussing is about Solomon. And Solomon has taken over the throne from David. And I don't mean take over as in hostile, but while David was alive... He bestowed kingship upon his son, as the Lord had chosen Solomon to be king. But in chapter 6, verse 1, we also know that it was for a purpose. right? That's why the Lord chose Solomon, it was for a purpose. And in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now it came about in the 400th and 480th year after the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the second month of Ziv, which is, or in the month of Z, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now, on the natural, we could look at that and say, well, yeah, he's just doing the kingly role. But if we look, and, and as you know, Kings and Chronicles are very intertwined. So, hold your place there in First Kings. But also turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 28. We talked about how Solomon had a role. The Lord chose him for a specific reason. Right? And it's a reason that he needed to come into. And we're going to discuss that reason right now. Right? In First Chronicles 28, David, in his speech to the kingdom, some some titles of, of chapter 28 may read David's address about the temple. But he's not just talking the temple. We're going to see that here in a second. Um, if we look at verse 4, 1 Chronicles 28, 4, the Lord, yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from all the house of my father to be king over Israel, 
For he's chosen Judah to be a leader in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among the sons of my father he took pleasure in making me king. Of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said to me, that is the Lord, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now. This is in front of the entirety of the kingdom. David is, I'll say, bestowing the honor of kingship, the role, to his son while he's still alive. And it's not the only time, but we also see his role. The role was not just to be king. It was king for a purpose, to build the house of the Lord. And it's not the only time in this address that he states that to the people, but then also to Solomon. All right, in verse 9, David directly addresses Solomon. He says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and willing mind, for the Lord searches all the hearts, understands every intent. If you seek him, he will let you find him, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, this is in verse 10, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. And then in verse 11, David gave to his son Solomon the plan of the porch of the temple, its buildings, its storehouses, its upper rooms, its inner rooms, and the room for the mercy seat and the plan of all he had in mind. And then in verse 19, that exact plan, David states, The Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of, his, of this pattern. And then in verse 20, he says, David says to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear, be dismayed, for the Lord, God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And then he, he continues and states, the entire kingdom is at, your, is at Solomon's command. But as we just read in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it wasn't until the fourth year of his reign that he actually began the work of the kingdom. There was a delay. Now why? Why was there a pause? And as we're in Chronicles, if we continue in the second book, yes, Solomon does all these these kingly things. And and there are other instructions that that David gave about bringing forth justice that David wasn't able to bring because of a vow he had made, right? And, and, And respecting that and honoring the Lord through his vows, right? Paying his vows to the Lord. He said, I'm not going to do this. However, he also tells Solomon, don't let this go unpunished. Right? Well, we need justice. Part of the Lord is righteousness, and it is also justice. Those are two attributes of him. It's part of his nature, part of his character. But if you just take a, a quick uh, peruse over, yes, you can look at the beginning of Kings, you can look at the beginning of Chronicles. There are all these different tasks that happen. And by tasks, I mean events that happen. There's a lot of justice, there's a lot of of 
you could say kingly things, pronouncing justice, if you will, judging, right, which is part of the role of a king. But then there's a, a change. And the change occurs. So let me back up. In the justice, there was a, a lot of people that were serving in the king, uh, for the king, and under the kingdom that were executed as part of the justice. But then you see in chapter in First Kings chapter three, there comes a, a point in Solomon's rule where he has a dream and he and he prays in the dream and he asks the Lord for wisdom to rule the Lord's people. Who right he, he says, Who can rule this great people of yours? I require wisdom. Right? That is a turning point in Solomon's life and in his role. It's not just about giving the perception of being a king and stepping in the role and, and doing some of the bits and pieces, but being a king is is also about ruling and and I'll say it in this accomplishing everything, the plan, the purpose, the calling that the Lord has for in this case Solomon, but also for us as believers. Fully. There's one aspect, if you will, of looking at, well, we're checking the boxes. We're in the position, but are we actually fulfilling in full? Are we committed to the role and doing everything that is required of that role? And you could almost argue that, well, yes, while Solomon was doing good things, and, and clearly there was wisdom executed in that, it wasn't until after he sought wisdom from the Lord, he had the dream and he sought wisdom, that then you see Solomon really established as king. Not that he wasn't, but in the ceremony. But it goes beyond the ceremonial aspect of being installed in a, in a role and in a position to actually executing it. And after that happens, you, you in Kings especially, but even in Chronicles, you read about how now other people are acknowledging his wisdom and the power given to him. And you, he utilizes, Solomon is, utilizes that wisdom and knowledge, divine wisdom and knowledge given from the Lord to rule the people, to make just decisions, and ultimately there's a restructuring that occurs right in the kingdom, and it, it describes all, all of that in great detail. And I'm paraphrasing this because there's a lot, and, and I want you to read it for yourself. So please, study the scripture and you know, to see if what I'm saying is true. Let the Holy Spirit minister that to you. But then also, in chapter 5 of 1 Kings, not only, so, and I say this in this way, right? Solomon went from the ceremonial aspect of attaining the role and the position to fully stepping in, being fully committed, and then what happens? The Lord sends King Hiram, who knew David, Solomon's father. And he says some, some very interesting things in their exchange. And this is done through letters. Um, Solomon also requests of Hiram so that, you know, that my father did was, it was not, not able or was unable to build a house in the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which surrounded him and, right, and there were other reasons. 
And in verse 4 he says, But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And then he says, Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne, in your place, he will build the house for my name. Now, and then Solomon's instructing Hiram, Hey, command that they cut for me trees and, and cedars, right? That your servants do this, and I'll take care of you. There's, there's this alliance, there's this partnership. But the interesting thing is, if you really read that, that Hiram is the one that initiated. So the Lord sent Hiram to seek out Solomon. In the Lord's timing, after Solomon had fully committed to leading, to, to being in the role and the position, in full, following the, the Lord's instructions and the Lord's plan, that then you see all these blessings. And then he has peace. Right? There's no adversaries. Where before, there was a lot of executions. There was a lot of judgment that had to happen in the kingdom to provide balance, if you will. But now he has peace on all sides. And yes, I'm sure this happened before the fourth year. However, it says in, in the fourth year is when he began to build the house. It's important. It's significant. There's a, there's a distinguishable difference. And it's something that we need to, to focus on as it pertains to our own lives as believers, Christians, as the body of Christ. Have we fully come into our role? Have we fully committed to that role? Because it's important. How can we say, oh, well, Lord, you didn't do this, or, or right, I have all these, these troubles, these, there's not peace, if we haven't fully committed. As we were saying, the Lord knows the plans. He, he, that was in Jeremiah 29, right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you future, not calamity, but a future and a hope. It's important to get the Lord's plan, but it's important to fully execute it. And the Lord always gives a plan, as we just saw in, in Solomon, or in Kings and Chronicles about Solomon. The plan was articulated. I'm sure Solomon knew the plan. I'm sure the Lord spoke to him. But clearly he also had his father, David. And just in that one address, three at three different times in that address of making him, pronouncing him king, he gives the reason why he's to be king. It's significant, it's important, but then he had to fully come into that role himself. David couldn't do it for him. But there's always a plan. How the Lord chooses to reveal it is entirely dependent on the Lord. It's up on us to fully step into that role. Right? And we can see another example in Jeremiah. What does he say in the, to Jeremiah in the beginning? When he calls and commissions Jeremiah, chapter 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Right? And then what's Jeremiah do? Verse 6. But I don't know how to speak, and I'm a youth, right? The excuses. The reasons, the justifications in our own mind of why we don't fully commit or fully step into the role and execute every, uh, not just the requirements, but the duties, the, the things that the Lord has made us responsible for in that role. Whatever that role is, right? One was a king. This is a prophet, right? But then the Lord encourages Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of them. I'm with you to deliver you. 
declares the Lord. Right? And and you see this throughout the entirety of, well, life of Scripture. But also, if we look at Jeremiah, because after chapter 1, you could say, well, he stepped into that role. But then there comes a point in chapter 15 where he's, he struggles. And not that we can't struggle in, at times, right? But our ordeal, and by that I mean we should never lose sight or faith in the hope that's been given to us, which only comes in the Lord. That's the important and significant part. Jeremiah 15 Jeremiah is informed by the Lord of all this this judgment that will come and and what the Lord is going to do. And then starting in verse 15, Jeremiah prays to the Lord and says, Hey, Lord, remember these things, and this is what I've done. And you you could argue, if you will, or reason that Jeremiah is justifying his actions up to this point to the Lord. But then at the, the end, uh, verse, uh, the end of his prayer in verse 18, he asked, Lord, why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refused to, heal, to be healed? And then this statement, will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? The promises of God are yes and amen. But it's also our amen. We have to come into alignment with that. We have to move forward. Because what is, and, and I say that because what's the Lord's response to Jeremiah? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Well, wait, why would Jeremiah have to return? There was a, a, an issue with faith. There was, right, there was a stumble. And the Lord's saying, yes, you've, you've done these things, but return. Repent, come back in, right? If you do that, if you return, I'll restore you. Before me, you'll stand. And if you extract the precious from the worthless, you'll become my spokesperson. Wait, that's exactly what he said in chapter one. You will be, I've ordained you. I have said or commissioned Jeremiah to be a prophet. I'll commission you to do this thing. But now Jeremiah actually has to go do it. A prophet's not just speaking whatever it is that, they, that comes on their, their heart or their mind. But it's being the mouthpiece of the Lord, saying what the Lord says to say. And you see in Jeremiah and in many other books of the prophets, also doing. Sometimes these prophetic words are not just words, they're acted out and explained. There's a, a fullness there, there's a, a lifestyle, if you will, of just like Jesus, saying and doing what the Father says to say and do. That's what it should look like in all our lives. And yes, Jeremiah clearly comes back to the Lord and he moves forward, right? Fully committed. And you don't, I mean, I, I don't recall any other instances like this in the book of Jeremiah. Were there times where, yep, there's some emotions and, right? Because there's a lot of judgment in that book and things that the Lord's going to do, but he's doing it for the good of the people. Because, like, I'll say it in this way. When we have to go through things, and by go through, I mean, when the Lord reveals and exposes things, it's not always fun. It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's painful, because change sometimes can be painful. And, and a lot of times that makes us not want to go through with it in full and in completion. 
But the Lord does it for our good because he's moving us to a next state. And then when we get to that state, that level, whatever it is, and we, we're in it for a time, it becomes easy, right? But we have to put in the work to get there. Does that make sense? Like if we can't start off, if you're, you're an athlete or right, in the peewee leagues or t-ball or whatever it is, and then immediately jump to the pros. Like People are going to laugh at you. Like you, you lack the, the things that are required to function and operate at that level, right? And, but as we continue to move forward in the things of the Lord, there is growth, there is development, maturity that happens as we continue to walk it out in him. So, again, it's important for us because we have to do that in the Lord. Have faith to fully come into the role, fully commit, just like Christ, right? Just like Christ, fully commit to the role. He is and was and is God, and he also came in the flesh as man, and he had to fully commit to the role. How would it have benefited any of us if at the end he's like, well, Lord, or Father, I don't really feel like going through with the crucifixion part of it. Like, it was fun. It was good times up to this point, but yeah, I'm, I'm good here. I'm ready to go back. No, he had to fully commit to the role that was given him. And I'll give you one more example. And it's one that we should all be familiar with. And that's the example of Moses. Right? So in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is spoken to by the Lord in the burning bush. But then let's also look at, well, so let's start in chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord gives the entirety of the plan to Moses, everything he's going to do. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Parasite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians are oppressing them. And then here's the plan that he reveals to Moses. This is at the burning bush. He says, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And then Moses. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he, that is the Lord, says, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. But then what does Moses do? Right? There's all the excuses, the, the rationale, if you will, human logic of why it shouldn't be him and can't do these things. Right? Like, there's a lack of committing to the role. We know this. It's, it's written for our... These things are written so that we can learn. So we don't have to make the same mistakes. But we can fully come in, commit, and 
walk in the role, the purpose, the calling, and fulfill it that the Lord has given us. It's significant. It's important to the Lord. Um, because even in chapter 4, after the Lord, as it pertains to Moses, after the Lord had shown and demonstrated these powers that he had given him and, and right, all these gifts, right? Moses still had excuses. Right, chapter 4, four verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Please, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since have you spoken to your servant. Uh, no, no, sorry, excuse me. Nor since have, have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And then the Lord, again, addressing it. Who has made, the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But then Moses again said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Wait, by whoever you will. He just multiple times told Moses, It's you. You're the guy. Man or woman, right? In this case, it's Moses, so specifically a man, right? But what's he saying to us? You're the one I've chosen to do whatever it is. So now go do it. And how many times in our own lives have we made excuses or come up with our own plan? Or uh, It looks like I'm doing the, fulfilling the, the role and the calling, but am I truly? And the Lord knows. Because you see in verse 14, the Lord also addresses Moses. Right? But it, in, very, in chapter 4, Exodus 4, 14, says, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, he's coming out to meet you. But in verse 16, he says, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth to you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hands a staff with which you shall perform the signs. Now, we can all look at that verse and say, well, that's pretty heavy, that Moses sitting in the place of God. But no, let's look at what that's really saying. That the Lord appointed him a place of leadership. That's the Lord. He's the head. He's the leader of the body of Christ. We are to come into alignment with the plan, with the purpose that he has for each and every one of us and execute that fully. Right? What does Paul talk about? Uh, if I'm an eye, right? You can't say the foot, I have no need of you. But I have the eye has to fully operate in its function and its capacity. Same with the foot. Same with an eyelash. Same, right? Any aspect of the body. And if it's not operating in full, there are issues in the body. Ultimately, it could produce death. If the heart decides to not pump or becomes clogged or whatever, right? It could produce death. We all need, every member of the body of Christ needs to fully come in to the role and the position and execute it in its fullness. Everything that the Lord has given for you, for the plan, the purpose, and the calling on your life. Right? But then as we continue, the Lord's still saying to Moses, hey, go do this. Right? Go back to Egypt. You're going to bring the people out. There's trials and struggles even in this. Right? Um, actually, there's one other section. The Lord also gives, again, Moses, 
in chapter 4, the entirety of the plan and what is going to happen. And I know he does the same thing with us. There should not be any surprises, if you will. The fullness of the plan, of the, of the plan and how to complete it is given to Moses. And the Lord reveals that to each and every one of us. Do we always know all the specifics? No. But he gives us the bigger picture, always, on what he's doing so we can come into alignment with that and then trust him. You already said this. You already spoke over the entirety of the situation. So I just have to believe, have faith, that is, in the Lord, trust him, that he will bring about to pass what he said. In chapter 4, verse 21, the Lord says to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord Israel, uh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn, so I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Is that not the last plague? Is that not right there described by the Lord? The very last plague, the thing that causes Pharaoh ultimately to drive the people out of the land of Egypt and say, go, go worship your God. Get away from me, essentially. The game plan was already given to him. Moses just had to walk in obedience. But you see, even in there, there were struggles and trials. In chapter 5, Moses seeks the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 22, after doing some of the things that the Lord had said. And he says, In verse 25, Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. That doesn't sound like faith to me. It sounds like the opposite. And you see that if you continue to read the story of Exodus and, and, well, the first five books of the Bible. The Lord has the... The same statement, right? These people's lips are with me, their hearts are not, and their words are stout against me. In other words, they haven't fully committed. It hasn't been demonstrated by their faith. But we see here in chapter 6, the Lord promises action. And we continue to see chapter after chapter here in Exodus, all the works of the Lord. And every one, the Lord is guiding Moses. At the beginning of every chapter, of every all but section, right? Whether it's darkness over the land or, or the hail or whatever the Lord's doing, it, it almost starts identical. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses. Yes, the Lord is also saying to us and instructing us on what we should do and how we should operate. He's giving us the plan. He gave us an overview. Of, he gives a, each and every one of us an overview of the plan, but he also gives us the plan as we go and we move forward in him and in his plan. And then, after instating, installing the Passover and the feasts, right? And the whole thing is to remember what the Lord did. Then we come to another 
another trial and another struggle. And that trial and struggle being they're trapped with the Red Sea. But as we know, if you read the story, it's in Exodus 14. That the Lord delivers his people just like he said he would. And then in chapter 15, there are songs sung of praise and worship to the Lord, rejoicing in what the Lord did, in his delivering the people when they chose to just follow the Lord, to come into the plan, to listen. And then in chapter 15, verse 22, it starts differently. says the Lord, or sorry, sorry, excuse me, says then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. Now you could look at this a couple different ways. You could say, well, this isn't part of the plan. This isn't what the Lord revealed. Well, no. When we read all the way back in in Exodus chapter 3, you could say this is different, but it isn't. Is it really? Because what did he say? I'm using you to deliver the people out of Egypt, to bring them out. Right? It's not just to bring them out and then they go their own way. What was Moses before this? He was a shepherd. He had to watch over the sheep. So the Lord, in what he said, had already revealed the plan. You're to lead the sheep. You're to lead these people. But it wasn't until this moment that Moses clearly, it states very specifically, he came into that role. After seeing the works of the Lord move in his life, in the lives of the people. So it's significant. It's significant for all of us. And the Lord reminds us of this all the time. If you look up, or he reminds them of that, this incident, these events, with the words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Did you know that there are over 80 times in the Bible the Lord makes reference to that exact event. Over 80 times the Lord references, in, in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of situations, it's a reminder of what he has spoken to us from the beginning. I know the plans I have for you. To give you a future, to give you hope, to deliver you. Right? And we all look for and you can see that even in, in the book of Joshua. What's it say at the end? Uh, I want to say chapter 22. Let me turn there real quick. I did not have that one bookmarked. So please bear with me. It's not chapter 22. Forgive me. It is chapter 21. starting in verse 43 to the end of the chapter. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. This is the almost identical thing that Solomon says to Hiram. The Lord's given me rest on every side. When did he do that? When they committed to fully following the Lord. Every area and aspect of their lives, walking and executing. Joshua had to come in his role. 
And as he just he chose to commit to that role, he saw the Lord move. Absolutely saw it happen. And the Lord established Joshua. So the people revered him just like they revered Moses. Right? Those words are said very specifically from the Lord to Joshua. I'm going to do this thing so that the people will revere you just like they revered Moses all the days of Moses' life. But it's not just about peace on all sides. It's about faith in the Lord regardless of what the situation looks like. And I say that because the Lord is also speaking to me about uh, if we get to, if you could, please turn to it. Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two. And in this situation, you have King Hezekiah, who is besieged by Sennacherib. Excuse me, Dean. Would you mind letting them in the room, please? Thank you, brother. So, in Second Chronicles chapter 32, Hezekiah, who has followed the Lord, has come into the Lord's plan fully. He's done all these great things. And in so doing, he's honored the Lord. He is besieged by Sennacherib. And Sennacherib is on the, on the offense. He is not only besieged him, he's coming against everything that they have to say. Hezekiah is trying to stir up the people. He's trying to inspire them to trust the Lord. Just trust in the Lord in everything that is said and done, Right, remembering what the Lord's done, and, and saying, hey, I'll deliver you from this. Don't look at the situation. I will deliver you. And the people, Son of Sheriff's people, continue to try to stir them up and chip away at their faith. Ultimately, Hezekiah prays, he and, and Isaiah, pray to the Lord. They don't know what to do. They're just trusting the Lord. They've come in, they've honored the Lord, Hezekiah has, in his kingdom, and everything that he's done, he's honored the Lord. And then what's, what happens? I'll paraphrase it for, for time. The Lord moves and he sends his angel who completely removes all the enemies. We saw that, well, everywhere, especially with Moses. We saw it with Joshua. right? And you see it throughout his word. The plans are for deliverance. And then also the Lord honors those that honor him, that choose to serve him fully. He does not withhold from them. He, does, he will not put them to shame. You see this throughout the word, right? Look at Daniel. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There are countless examples in the word. We like what's expressed in Hebrews 11 with the champions of faith, if you will, need to step into that role fully, completely. Were they perfect? No, they were men. But we, like them, well, I'll say it in this, Paul also writes in that chapter and says, they were men, or they were, 
as when he talks about Elijah, he says he was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was a man. He had feelings. He had emotions. He had all these things. He could look at the situation, but he trusted the Lord, and he was committed to following the Lord in every aspect and whatever the Lord said, fully executing the plan that the Lord had given him. And that is the role for us. The Lord will not let his people that have honored him and committed to carrying out the plan be shamed. Whether that's us in our lives, whether that's uh, a president or anyone, or anyone in between, we're his people. He has plans. He will deliver us. So I want to encourage each of us to just bring that before the Lord, whatever that is in our lives, right? And commit to fully step into the role and execute every aspect of that plan in its entirety. Trusting the Lord that he's got it. That he'll make it. Even if we don't see or know or understand how, let's let the Lord be God. Let's let him do it. Let's commit to that. We want to see the the, the great acts and the works of the Lord. Well, Hezekiah saw it. Isaiah saw it. Did they know exactly how it was going to happen? No. But instantly the Lord moved. And I say instantly. It says, that night the Lord sent an angel. Right, if we read about this in Kings. And took out 185,000 people of the army of Sennacherib. They perished in one night. And it wasn't just the common people. It was Sennacherib's leadership. His generals, his captains, his those that are in leadership that were the main culprits behind trying to dissuade the people. The Lord is ready and willing to move on our behalf. And actually, he's going to do some incredible and mighty things. Let's commit to him and allow him to work in and through us. And not just in taking down our enemies, but in the plan that he's given us and executing that. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.